imagine being a child and telling your parents you want to be an astronaut and that's all you know. But imagine really knowing that some of these astronauts are also time travelers. You can count me in. Yeah, it's uh, quite the way to start it. It almost sounds like a very Neil deGrasse Tyson-esque one. And let me tell you this story, though. Imagine starting a podcast and everyone says you're an archaeologist. Stay in your lane. And then you get on Spotify. Welcome to the big leagues. We finally did it. We're on, I think, every platform. I really thank you guys for your support and helping us reach this point and getting us onto these platforms with your consistent listening and your feedback. It's really been a tremendous experience. I would say seven months ago, nine months ago, however long ago we started, I wouldn't imagine being on Spotify and probably still chilling on SoundCloud. Yeah, seriously. It's been like a huge journey of change and progression. So I'm super excited, super thankful for you guys of just kind of following us through this journey and being supportive, you know, listening, dropping suggestions, comments and all that good stuff. Also, one more thing. Don't forget that you could always reach out to us at off the top podcast or the off the top podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. um, And I would say if we could, you know, travel in time, if it was ever you know, acceptable to go back in time, which we'll talk, John. Um, we maybe, I don't think I'd do very much different. It's been kind of a ride, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, I'm not dead, so everything went all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, and with that, we're going to just get right into time travel, our thoughts, what we found. And, you know, I'm curious to why when people say they're astronauts, they don't talk about time traveling, because I think I'd say I was a time traveler before I was an astronaut. Yeah, I mean, that's something definitely you'd want to put on your resume or LinkedIn. But all right. So as you mentioned that twice, just for the listeners that haven't been uh, introduced or indoctrinated on why you're calling astronauts time travelers. Talk about that. Well, first, it's a, I think it's good to give you guys a base of, you know, what time travel is. And it can be defined as a concept of movement between certain points in time analogous to movement between different parts or different points in space by object or person typically using a hypothetical device that's because of like science fiction but it's basically just moving between certain points in time got you well then why wouldn't we all be time travelers in that aspect just because at the beginning of this podcast it was a different time and now we're in this current time that we're talking in yeah and if you look at it this way we're Technically, we all have the potential to be time travelers, but we're all on Earth. So Earth's moving at a constant rate, unless you're moving extremely fast, um, you know, 17,000 miles an hour um, for a long extended period of time. Even though you're running, you know, say you're running five minutes ahead of someone, you're just five minutes ahead and that person's going to catch up on that five minutes. But your subatomic clock isn't going to shift at that point. Wow. Okay. So what it seems like is, and from my understanding as well, is that you going that fast, that means that speed affects the way that time works. And so almost time dilation, if one would uh, humor me. And so what that is, is basically my understanding of it is the fluxing and the flexing of time itself during different circumstances. Yeah. And you can also kind of relate it to like the faster you go in space. And when I think when I always think space, I think of outside Earth's atmosphere and this, but we're all in space right now in some capacity. We're just on a planet. So the time, the faster you go in space, um, the slower you move through time, which um, 
kind of runs into some of the things we talked about in that time dilation um, effect. Yeah. And so what that means basically is that being that time is a relative abstract, you know, subject or thing, that means that you can adjust time through doing certain things. So like you said, like velocity or the speed at which you travel affects time. So that means that you sitting down goes through time faster than you at a full out sprint. And I know it's it's not going to be noticeable at all unless you are a really, really fast sprinter <laughs> and you are, are really conditioned. But in, in theory and in practice, that's exactly true. Yeah. And for time travel, for me, it was a, it's always been an interesting theory. It's always something fun to think of. I think science fiction has done a very good job of making it entertaining and like people jumping years into the future or years into the past. Um, and when you think about like time dilation, one of the things that one of the examples I saw was kind of a train example. So say there's Bill, Jill and Sally, um, Bill and Sally are on a train going, you know, 18,000 miles an hour. Um, so when Bill runs up and down the train, even though he's running from the back to the front, he's still in the same time zone as Sally, who's just a sitting bystander because they're both on the train. But then when you have Jill, who is the outside bystander, she's sitting on her porch watching this train go by. This train's going at 18,000 miles an hour. So when Bill bounces a ball, she sees it in like a U pattern. So she sees it slowly go from, you know, out of his hand, bounce, and, you know, he catches it. As when Bill drops at the rate he's moving, he sees it at a quicker time or a little bit more linear. And so if they have a synchronized watch, um, like to the second, after being on this train for so long, it's going to be, you know, millionths of a second off. And Bill's going to be slightly in the future, if that made sense. Yeah. So to like digest and then spit out what you just said is that, um, People will have different perspectives of time depending on how fast they're going. So, for instance, in that um, in that example, Bill was traveling through time quicker than Jill. Yeah. <laughs> and so what Jill was seeing was experiencing or watching somebody who was going 18,000 or 17,000 miles per hour, but also like at basically a faster pace. Like if she was to speed up what Bill was doing by, you know, an, a scintilla amount, then that would be her perspective. Yeah. And that kind of rolls into what um, is called the twin paradox or has been kind of proven by the Kelly astronauts where, you know, one one's a, they're twins, one's an astronaut and one stayed on Earth. Um, and Jordan, I think you have a pretty good, I'm explaining of how that works. Yeah. So the example that I came up with is basically, so let's say that these, well, these twins were born at the same time. And let's say instead of, you know, going through life on earth and then eventually one of them went to space, one was instantly taken into space and they spent 20 earth years on space. And like, that's a very important point that you make is, you know, what, how many years and where are those years being taken place? So 20 earth years, the twin that was in space comes back down. That twin will be younger than the twin that was on Earth. And let's say that hypothetically they were born at the exact same time. 
And the reason why is because the mass of the Earth and also the speed on which one would orbit the Earth or in space has an effect on time. So we've already talked about velocity, but also you got to think about the mass. So whenever time goes through mass, it sinks or it slows down a bit. So you kind of have that dichotomy of when you have increased velocity, let's say you were 99% the, the speed of light, you are going to be going into basically the, you're going to be like faster in time than if you were standing still. But let's say that you were on the something that had a lot of mass, like let's say the earth, for instance, because it could make a difference in this example, mm-hmm. then you're going to be going through time slower. So that means that basically this person, the twin that was in space, is going to be younger. One, because they were traveling through time faster. So in their anatomical clock, they will be younger because their seconds are discounted. Let's say that Mm -hmm. their full second is really like 0.99 a second. Mm -hmm. But on Earth, that person's second could be 1.00001 a second. So that two, those two dichotomies links up to having one twin noticeably younger than the other. When you talk, random side note, when you were talking about being born at the exact same time, I was slightly thinking the amount of babies that are born a day, right? I don't know the research on this. I wonder what the probability is that you being born in Denver, Colorado at 1 p 105 p.m. in 36 seconds if someone is being born in um, the equivalent like let's say 12 p.m. 12 or whatever I said p.m. in 36 seconds in Sacramento at the exact same time do you think that happens uh definitely just off of probability you got to think like first I mean not to digress too much but first what you'd have to do is break down every single opportunity or second if you wanted to go that small mm-hmm. in a day. So if you think about that, that's 60 times 60 times 24. Yeah. Well, 60 times 60, yeah, times 24. And then what you got to do is divide that by the amount of birds in a day. Yeah, that sounds right. I think, yeah. So technically you could have, I wouldn't say a twin, but you could have someone born at the exact same time as you are, which is kind of weird to think about. Or if you want to think about it this way, since we're on this podcast, a time twin. <laughs> there you go. Time twins. Uh, we coined it. T-shirt's coming soon. Yeah. Um, so then as we kind of talk about time dilation, that kind of shows that it, it's been done and it's proven that you can jump forward in time by going really, really fast. Um, and that can be shown by, which is surprising, this dude is, now that I think about as many times I've seen this dude's name and how smart he was for the time, like 1905, it's really unfathomable. But Albert Einstein, right? Special relativity theory um, that space and time are linked for objects of, at a consistent speed. Um, so if, you know, these two objects aren't at a consistent speed, you're going to have a little bit different time different uh, time difference at the space or the speed you're going at. And then he kind of, I don't know if he coined the speed of light, but he off, often referenced the speed of light at being 299,792,458 meters a second. Um, so that's why if you know, you're in your bedroom and you're trying to turn the light off, before or trying to get in your bed before the light goes off you've had a you know an un uh, unwinnable unless there's some lag in your you know your electricity but you're more likely than not beating that speed of light 
Yeah, exactly. And being that the speed of light is so fast, one thing that I want to point out is that the speed of light actually is light in a vacuum. So normal light, it will bend in flux depending on where it goes. And if you are, if you guys are astronaut nerds or space nerds, then you'll know that, you know, telescopes, we can figure out where planets or suns are just off of how the light gets distorted through the gravitational pull of these things. And another thing too, and this is going to, I mean, humor me for a second, guys. So in Star Wars, there's something called, well, in, in real life, there's something called a parsec. Mm -hmm. And so a parsec is 3.262 light years is one parsec. And if I can, you know, in Star Wars, the huge feat of the Millennium Falcon was that, um, that Han Solo's, um, Millennium Falcon went the, made the Kessel run in, I think, less than 12 parsecs and people think like oh that doesn't make sense because that's a theory of like a matter of time mm -hmm. but a parsec actually also is a distance as well yeah. so you got to think like you know 3.262 light years is an actual amount of space as well so he made it in that amount of space yeah i think that's interesting the way i kind of interpret it as you very weird adaptation of that, but you think of a light year in space, like just think of a you know a speed measurement being a football field, which is also a space, but obviously a light year is a lot more. And I think it's crazy that the speed of light. I'm not. I should have looked more into how they calculated or figured it out. But it's interesting to think when you look up into off Earth and into the space and universe above us, and you see stars, which are you know the lights of other suns. Um, that some of those those light beams you see are, you know, tens of thousands of light years old, and the star, the sun behind that light has been dead for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, that's very much a fact. And also, you got to think about like there's things in the seeable universe that our our vision is expanding basically, and the reason why is because the amount of distance between us and whatever happened is so far that you know millions and millions or billions of light years aren't enough time or billions of years aren't enough time for that light to get to us finally so that just puts it in perspective how big this like space is and the little rock that we're living <laughs> on like is in relative like relative to everything else out there it's just extraordinary honestly yeah and there's so much variety in what's going on out there and you know different adaptations or theories of how you know different things affect time and places um i think a good spot a good example would be it would be interstellar yeah so one thing about interstellar is that it has a very good um, example of the difference in the dichotomy of, you know, practically working through space and time and time dilation. So not to ruin the whole premise of the story, but there was one instance where um, there's astronauts orbiting this planet and this planet had 130 percent the gravity of Earth. This planet also happened to be right next to a black hole. So when they were orbiting, they calculated it out that basically 
that one hour on this planet with its increased mass and also the increased mass of the black hole that it was near slowed down time enough that one hour there was actually seven Earth years. So what basically happened was that they had to leave one person on this starship. And I know this isn't relative to what we're talking mm-hmm. about, but just just so that people know the kind of the end story. They left one person on there. So one hour of time is seven years. Imagine that being alone in space for seven years. But it happened that they didn't just take one hour. They took three. So 21 years of this guy's life, he was up in space alone when it really was only three hours if you were to follow the crew down there. It's just insane to think about that perspective. But truly, like that type of math and science checks out. Yeah, and it's, I mean, a really, like I said earlier, science fiction has done a great job on illustrating time travel and different, you know, using different pieces of um, math or um, hypothetical situations based on gravity or, you know, what it's near to show what, how time, you know, is constructed and can be, um, you know, if you're not at the same speed, it changes. And I think it's also one thing to note, we've probably touched on it in past podcasts that, like time is pretty relative. Like obviously things age, but for us on Earth, like when we say one Earth year, um, or we say like you know twelve to twelve thirty to one thirty p.m. Um, is all just a relative thing for us to keep track of this time that space is aging at. So that's why you'll get a lot of different, um, or you'll see a lot of different discrepancies in you know some time travel research because it's kind of all relative to how you're measuring it. But a lot of the standards is yeah, light years and parsecs and like the tr- time it takes to travel around the sun. Um, that's why in our universe, like some planets, you know, a, or a day on a certain planet takes a little bit longer, a little bit shorter than a day on Earth. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that just highlighted the point that you know. Notice how nobody ever says like, oh, I'm, you know, 85 Earth years old. Nobody says that. They say years. And that's because everyone's so used to being stuck on the same plane of like thinking and or a time, really. And nobody really notices. There's nobody that runs fast enough or travels fast enough truly to make a difference. Like you said, the guy that or maybe you didn't mention this, but the guy that has the record for like, you know, the most time travel, so to speak, um, is less than like the world leading guy who spent what? 800 something years, 879 days, 879 days on in space is less than a second younger than he would have been if he just spent it on earth. Yeah. So Ganaday, Pato, Blaka, Pata, Padawan. Um, he, yeah, his current time traveler record, uh, 880 days in space and roughly is now one forty fourth of a second ahead for being in space for two and a half years. So that shows you kind of the speed you have to go to get extremely far into what we call the future. And that also relates to the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, which is like a particle accelerator. It's uh, 27 kilometers, a ring of 27 kilometers or 16 miles. And it shoots or propels protons at 99.999% the speed of light, which is incredibly fast at a very small level. And so when you take that, and you wanted to say you, we figured out how to shoot humans at that speed. The speed to see the year 
Earth in year 3000, you'd have to go 99.995% the speed of light or speed of light to see the year in 3000. So that is, you know, pretty much 299 792 and some discrepancy in meters a second as a human to exceed your 3000. And when that happens, your internal clock is one one hundredth of what it would be um, due to time dilation, which we touched on. So you're you know, that's why you're going to be younger when you get to that year 3000 is the earth is going to be a lot older. Yeah. And just so that some people, you know, know as they're following along, the reason that we say that, you know, we're not going full light speed is because they that anything with mass cannot go light speed. That's simple as that right now, as far as physics go, as far as all the pieces and tools that we have, it says that nothing with mass at all can go light speed. And I think that that just shows like the incredible um you know, if you were to ratchet things up, the incredible difference that you could see by, you know, extra speed and increased mass. And that also kind of brings me to uh, black holes because um, obviously light speed is very, very fast. And so that speeds up time and dark or, you know, black holes are very, very, very heavy. And so that slows down time. And it's almost to the point of there's a part of a black hole called the event horizon where mass gets so dense and the gravitational pull is so much that light can't escape. So for instance, think about this. Let's say that your buddy was on the end of a, like, you know, at the event horizon of a black hole or like, you know, going into a black hole. So you see him going, see him going, see him going. And the closer he gets to the black hole, the slower he gets. Like literally the slower things move. And eventually when he hits that event horizon where light can't escape, he like stops, like things stop. Like, you know, he's not moving anymore. Like he's not moving position. He's not moving his body parts. You can't see anything changing. And that's because light is getting sucked down so hard and like, you know, slowed down so much that you perceptibly can't see or measure what's going on. Which is a crazy thing in itself to think that there is a, um, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, an a element or a f- physical occurrence or I don't know what you'd call a black hole besides a black hole, but that is eating light and that's traveling around space, you know, eating a ton of things um, and just moving about that that's, is necessarily stopping time. And I can think of like, we'll touch back on Star Wars and some of the Star Wars uh, movies, you'll see, you know, them trying to escape a black hole and it getting slightly, you know, sucked in. Um, or you'll see, you know, when they do their little warp or whatever that is through the wormhole or black hole. I can't really tell what they're warping through. Do you know what they're warping through? Dude, I'm. I don't know what. I didn't. I don't even remember if they got caught in a black hole before. Well, I know in the the new so solo spoiler alerts if you haven't seen oh, it, but they, uh, they're like basically trying to escape a black hole and it does that what you're saying right they kind of just like freeze up for a little bit which is i think interesting because it's what it sounds like is accurate but it's interesting to think that there's this giant mass um that has the potential to stop time or have time in different places um and help or slow things down so you can have things that help time in different places yeah yeah and it's incredible like obviously we don't know what the end of a black hole is but before we started recording 
uh, we were talking about how you can literally have something, if you were going through a black hole and somehow got to the end of it, or even the beginning, let's say that your arm was in the event horizon and you weren't, um, your arm could be a thousand years old and your body could be the same age as you are and you know you're you're attached to your arm and that's how insane it is in a black hole um the amount of mass affects time in such a crazy amount of way that that those seconds that you are kind of in that black hole your arms attached to you your you know your arms in that event horizon you're not is like in the interstellar example of those three hours being 21 years, those seconds could be a thousand years. And, um, so we've talked about time, like, yeah, we can go forward in time. You just gotta go really, 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 really fast. Right. Um, and you know, have the tech and, you know, being able to figure out how your mass or the amount of energy that it'll take to get to go in that fast and, you know, a larger scale than a particle. But what about the theories to go back in time? Um, yeah, so the theories that go back in time are a lot different and not measured. And that's something I found very interesting. Um, basically, before I go into this kind of theory, I want to say that it's very unlikely. And right now with all the, you know, the building blocks and the tools, like I said before, that we have, it doesn't make sense to go back in time. So we're going to leave that as a sci-fi movie. But if you wanted to, if you had a gun in my head and I was like, you said how, like, you tell me the way that you go back in time right now. I would say that give me two linked wormholes. And so what a wormhole is for you guys that don't know is let's imagine that you had a piece of paper. Now fold that piece of paper over. And so it's almost like, you know, halved on itself and then poke a hole through that piece of paper. So that hole would be a wormhole. And imagine that paper being the space time continuum or just space continuum, depending on how you want this wormhole to act. So you have two holes and they're linked together. So what you would do is you would transport one wormhole over near something like, let's say a black hole where time significantly slows down. You leave it over there for a second and then retransport it back. So you're not really traveling through space as you are through time. So now you have this heavily aged black or this year a couple hours old black hole linked to this black hole let's say that you know as it was as its partner or linked black hole was in that or the linked wormhole was in that black hole for let's say a year it aged 20 years so now you have a 20 year old wormhole attached to a one-year-old wormhole one, let's say, and this all happened in 20,000 or 2000 the year 2000 so you'd have one wormhole that's the age of 2001 that's in 2001 and the other that's in 2020. So what you would do is that you'd go from that 2020 wormhole to that 2000 wormhole or 2001 wormhole. And that's how you would travel back in time. The thing, the problems with that is, is that first, I mean, let's, let's talk about creating a wormhole. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Second, Another thing is, too, is that you can't time travel, let's say, back, you know, whenever you want it. Yeah, whenever you want it, because you would need that wormhole. You need to create those wormholes to travel back into that time. So the latest that you could go is if you created a wormhole in 2000 is go back to the time 2000, which means, I mean, in the very distant future, if this theory is, you know, somewhat correct, then, 
you know, civilizations in the very, very far future could visit us right now, technically, but they would need to create that wormhole or that wormhole would have had to be created. Yeah, right now if they wanted to visit right now. So it sounds like there's a business opportunity to start selling wormholes or farming wormholes for the future. (laughs) Yeah, wormhole farmer. (laughs) Yeah, and then so say you do, this all works out and you go through and, you know, good old Grandpa Bill Bob is, I'm not a fan of him, right? And I go back and I want to get rid of Grandpa Bill Bob. What is happening? The I think what's happening is you have a fascination with the name Bill because that's <laughs> twice. But let's say that you go back and try to kill your grandpa. That is the grandpa paradox or the grandfather paradox. And basically what happens is when you go back to kill your grandfather, you kill your parent, but you also kill yourself because if he's not around, you weren't around. So, you know, it's impossible to do that. But at the same time, you are around because you're going back in time to kill your grandfather. So it is possible to do that. But the second that you kill him, then it's not possible to do that. And therein lies the paradox and the confusion. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where uh, Back to the Future kind of stretches its tails. Because obviously you see some of it in Back to the Future. They go back and, you know, Marty and his mom are kind of a thing which is weird in a lot of different levels but throughout the movie you see different people (laughs) you see people fading out of photos and stuff um so yeah time travel to the past really difficult i don't know if we'll ever figure it out or if it's actually possible no no it's all hypothetical going to going to the future is more likely than not like we can already do it at a very very small scale but it's going to take a lot of work to get our mass and that amount of energy to you know send humans that a good amount into the future yeah yeah definitely so i mean as far as it goes future time travel in the future yeah people do it time travel in the past you know (laughs) yeah start on that wormhole farm yeah um and yeah once again we're on spotify apple podcasts all the platforms. Um, if you can't find us on a certain platform, just go to anchor.fm.com and it has all of the platform sites hosted on there. You can visit our email at the off the top podcast at gmail.com and send us some questions. Um, and I really hope you kind of had a, a very loose idea of how time travel works and how kind of crazy all that is. Yeah. I mean, Thank you guys once again for kind of going along with us in this journey. It's not like any of us are physicists or, you know, no time uh, very intimately, but we're just a couple of dudes that are brave enough to get on here and talk about it. So once again, thanks for coming along in this journey. Yeah. And if you're a phys- physicist, feel free to come visit our multi-million dollar recording studio that we do these podcasts in and maybe you'll learn something from us later. Later.